Look how happy I am. I don't got to preach this morning. You should be happy too. Yeah! So, in the middle of uh, Ed's message, he's going to be using this laser pointer. And last service, I was doing this, and someone said, are you going to chase that? Because I am so ADD, I may just be like... I don't... Our cat with the laser pointer. I mean, our dog chases it too well. If we turn it on, the cat and the dog are in the house. The cat wants it, but the dog will eat the cat. If the cat's all, <gasps> you know, the dog's all, boom, mine, right? But when you do it and the dog's in the house, the cat, you go like this, starts going. Like it thinks it's a bug. And, it's, and it starts salivating and trying to, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Anytime you want. I got the animals for fun. All right, so. Uh, this is, we're going back to Genesis week 67 finally. We've actually been through week 68 and week 69. So now we're going back to week 67. My friend Ed, who I wanted to come and give you this message, is actually here today to do that. Uh, I'm going to give you a couple things about him. Uh, if you've been to Marion Hospital, uh, Ed is the guy who's over that entire project. He literally is the guy who built that hospital. So, yeah. So, so if you go there and something's wrong with it, just let him know. I'm, not, I'm talking construction-wise, not like, oh, they were mean to me, but, you know, like, oh, I put my foot through a wall when I was walking down the hallway. Then you let him know, oh, you did a terrible job, but, or not, whatever. Uh, so he's going to come, he's going to talk to you about the whole idea of learning how to uh, spend and save money wisely and, and what to do with that, because he has made some horrible mistakes in his life as well. He's going to talk to all of us about that. So this is Ed Lindsay. Uh, he went to Element for three years before they just moved after they finished Marion over to Las Vegas. Uh, he was in my brother's gospel community. What else, what else can I say about you? Walks on water. Um, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, it's nice to be back. It is not 108 here, which is good. It was a little toasty back home. My wife and family are very happy to get back here. We're on fire there, and they say it's just starting to get warm. So uh, if you're wondering why I'm up here, uh, I had the same thought when Aaron asked me to speak. Um, So let's just get get this out of the way. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a teacher. I can't say it's my first time because that was first service. So you should be my my strong service, but I wouldn't put any money on that. Um, So what I ask you is you just offer me a little grace because I probably will say something dumb or whatever it is that you look past it and just hopefully see what God wants to do with you today. So when Aaron did ask me uh, to speak on money, I laughed because, I mean, are you kidding me? I, you know, I stink at money. Uh, I'm the worst. You know, I should write in the class what not to do with your money or money for idiots or something. But he said, uh, you build hospitals. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do. You know, and you're responsible for millions of dollars. Yeah, I am. I've had some projects up to $350 million that I was responsible for. But I tell you, you know, those projects and hospitals are extremely stressful. And, and all I do is pray. You know, I surround myself with smart people and be humble. And I'm praying before meetings, after meetings. God, just give me the strength to get through the day. Give me your wisdom. It all evolves around God for me because I, I know I'm not that smart. And my home life proves it. You can look at my wife and daughter. Um, so you're thinking, how bad could it be? They entrust you with millions. How can you botch up thousands? I do. I do it very well. Um, you know, for me, it all starts with greed. It's like, I got to have it. You know, I'm not being content with the blessings that God's given me. Like the wonderful, beautiful wife God gave me. When I saw Terry for the first time, I know I smile every time I do this, just so you know. Uh, She took my breath away. 
And she still does. She accepted me for the broke college student that I was back in the day. With the exception of my 80s muscle pants, you guys remember those? She, she destroyed those and then did a whole wardrobe cleansing, so <laughs> you can't see them anymore. Um, but I felt I wanted more. I needed more, and, and I thought Terry did too. But her, uh, not so much. She was fine. But uh, I did. So I did some crazy things to try to get my money. So I'm going to tell you the stories of my what not to do and try to make money. So here you go. First, I experimented with commodities. You remember that old 80s movie with, um, what's his name, Eddie Murphy, Trading Places? Uh, so I traded oil, grain, pork bellies, saved up all the money when we were newly married and put it all on the line and got absolutely nothing, lost it all. Dad, who said, wow, we're not even getting there yet? Um, so then we got some financial gifts, which was really kind of cool. So did we save? Did we pay down the house? Did we invest? No, we bought toys. We bought timeshares, plural. Yeah, if you think you're stupid, buying one. We bought an SUV. We got a boat. Not that there's anything totally wrong with that stuff, but we'd be in a much different place if we would have done things a little bit different. And again, we're still just warming up. And the financial gifts just started, kept coming. We were very happy. So did we plan for kids' college? Not so much. Sorry, Jake, Gerilyn. Um, couldn't say that this service, but you're here, so yeah, enjoy community college. Um, <laughs> just saying. So I put all on the line in a, in a high-risk pharmaceutical company called Awesome. We try not to say that around our house anymore. Um, they claimed they were on the verge of having the cure for AIDS. So I invested all that money including the remodel money for our house. I know, I know, it's going to get worse. And lost it all. So I had to refi the house, run up the credit cards just to finish our house. Then the credit card bills were so crazy that we had to cash in our 401k so we could survive. Yeah, the lady in first service was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, so I wrote the book on financial screw-ups. So hopefully um, you guys haven't done some stuff as crazy as I have. But what I'd like to do is offer a few practical steps. And this is where it gets difficult. You know, it's one thing to spend and blow your money when you're single. You single guys, have fun now. But try to use the principles that I'm going to give, too, so you're able to handle marriage better. But get it out of your system. Okay, but when you're married with kids and you're in debt, it's a whole new situation. It gets, it gets a lot of stress and anxiety and pressure on marriage when you have debt. So don't play the money blame game. It will only tear your marriage apart. So how do you make things better? First, own up to your mistakes. Apologize. It's not an easy task. Many times it requires God's help and a lot of prayer. But it's very serious. You've got to stop rationalizing. How am I going to get this? How am I going to get that? And try to convince your wife that you've got to have it. You've got to take steps to change. And ask God for a spirit of conviction to help break you of those spending desires. Ask Him to help you be content. And start taking every those, those thoughts captive. You've got to stop focusing all that and putting your focus on Christ. Second, which is just as important, you need to forgive. And this usually goes to the spouse, the other person who got hurt. You need to forgive them. Ask God to grant you the strength to forgive. Forgive them of their screw-ups. And this type of forgiveness can only come from God, especially if you, when you've been hurt real bad. It's that forgiveness that where these, these issues don't come up in every fight. It's, it's that forgiveness every time that the thought comes in your head. You need to give it to Jesus and put it at the cross. It's why Christ spilled his blood. 
And when we don't forgive, it's like telling Jesus, what you did on the cross is not enough. I want more. It's time to forgive as Christ gave us, forgave us. And third, get some financial help. One, one way is through the Dave Ramsey class, the Financial Peace University. The class can give you some knowledge and some tools to help you get out of debt. Element offers these classes. They're not about how to get rich, but they're how about manage your money that honors God. So I'm going to give you a little FPU cliff note version. You should still take the class because I'm not as funny as Dave Ramsey or as Southern. So here you go. He's, he is funny, though, I have to admit. So the first thing that Dave Ramsey says is, save $1,000 for emergencies. And you're like, I'm barely getting by. How am I going to do it? Start with the simple things. Cut backs on coffee, fast food, or whatever your hobby is. It's going to require a little bit of sacrifice. But once you make a decision to save, your priorities are going to shift. And it starts with your attitude and your decision to change. If you need to make the goal 500 bucks, do it. College kid, you can make it, you know, 150 But then get up to 1000 Then when the emergency comes, don't use the credit card. Use the cash. Then replenish it. Hopefully, we don't have to define emergency here. It's not new toys, trips, or dining. However, we did blow our emergency fund on a trip to Canada for skiing. It was quite nice. But we are still trying to pay that off now. But what step one does is it breaks us of getting into more and more debt. So next step two, you've got to make a budget. You really need to know where your money's going. I bet you'd be really surprised if you knew. And there's a number of ways to track it. You can go old school and write it down, or there's apps like Mint. Or you can send an email to fpu at ourelement.org, and they'll send you one. Just ask for it. It's free. But once you track it for a few months, you're going to know where it's going. But you've got to be honest. You've got to communicate the secret stash that you have for boys' night out, girls' night out, or hobbies, or whatever you've got to do. But you've got to get it on the table. And together, pray that both of you can distinguish between needs and wants. You also need to understand how God fits in your budget. Because everything we have is a gift from Him. You ever read Malachi 3, 8 through 10? It talks about robbing God when we don't give Him our tithes and being cursed by God. It's one thing to curse when you're a kid. You know, you do the curse stuff. It's another thing to be cursed by a witch doctor. But being cursed by the God of the universe because you don't give? But the rest of the verse is so awesome. He says, bring the whole tithe to God. Don't be afraid. He says, test me. It's the only place in the Bible where he says, test you, and he'll bless you. Let's not get crazy where you tithe a few times and then take a bunch of money and put it as a down payment on a house. God doesn't work that way. But he will bless you. It's not to say it'll be monetary blessings, though. He may have some issues that he's working with you that you need to deal with. And in his wisdom, he's protecting you by not blessing you with what you feel you need. So getting back to the budget, you've tracked it for a while. You have, no idea, you have a good idea where it is. But it's going to take some effort. You can't expect to get out of debt without a lot of work. But together, the two of you, the husband and the wife, come together and put the budget together. Now, it may take some hot fudge Sunday or some wine to loosen the mood a little bit because it can get a little tough. But you can do it. Pray before that God gives you wisdom. But put a budget together. Make a realistic one. And then step three, cut the cards. You got the emergency fund. Cut the cards. It's hard, I know, but you can do it. Next one is step four. Now that you slow the debt down, we've got to take care of it. So FPU calls it the debt snowball. So what you do is you make a list of your debt with the least amount on top. I see uh, Aaron was playing with my Skywalker 3000. So here you have the JC JCPenney's his, his minimum payoff, the least amount on top, your minimum payment. And the first one 
Blow it out. Do garage sale, eBay, Craigslist, whatever it is. Don't sell your brother, but do something to pay it off. And it's not rocket science. After you pay the first one, you take that money, it rolls down to the next one, and with persistence, you'll get the debt paid off. And then FPU says when you have that paid off, don't start paying off your house yet. Get a couple months of expenses in an, an additional emergency savings. That'll help you when the crap hits the fan. Then you can start paying your house down. So, step five. The book goes into more stuff in the class, but for us, step five is the great misunderstanding. Unleashing the power of generous giving. We get totally blessed when we give by God, but yet it's so hard for us to give. But we need to. He commands it, and it helps us deal then makes us realize that it's His resources He's blessed us with. Because how we deal with God's finances He's given us is a window into our heart and what it looks like inside. Because money is a very spiritual thing. We're just being the stewards. Let's open to Genesis 47. We need God's help to turn us around, just like Joseph needed God. But remember, Joseph was just a regular guy. He just offered himself up to God to be used. So here we go. We're going to look at the best business deal in the Bible, Genesis 47, 13 through 17. There was no food due to the famine. There was no food, however, in the whole region because the famine was so severe. Both Egypt and Canaan wasted away because of the famine. So if you've been here over the past few weeks, you should be pretty familiar with the setting. Joseph was sold into slavery. I consider that a bad deal. Then he was, then he was in charge of a, an official's estate. Things were looking good for him. Then he was framed for a crime he didn't commit. Real bad. And included a long prison sentence. So then Pharaoh had a dream of seven years of plenty and seven years of lean. So then Joseph came up with a 14-year plan to save during the good years to provide during the bad years. So now they're at the heat of the famine. Like the Great Depression, everything had just gone bust. Then it says, Joseph collected all the money that was found in Egypt and Canaan in payment for, for the grain that they were buying, and he brought it to Egyptian pharaohs. It's like the Albertsons, the Spencers, everything closed, and the only thing was open, Joseph opened up pharaohs' grains and things. That was it. So when the money of the people of Egypt was gone, they're broke now, they gave it all, all of Egypt came to Joseph in a town meeting and said, Hey, give us food. Why should we die before your eyes? They said, Our money's used up. We've given you our money. Now what can we do? Joseph says, Hey, bring your livestock. I will sell you food in exchange for your livestock since your money is gone. It's like an Egyptian pawn shop. Give me your goat. I'll give you two Big Macs, fries, and a Happy Meal. Because no one's saved, but they had stuff. So they brought their livestock to Joseph. He gave them food in exchange for their horses, their sheep, their goats, their cattle, and donkeys. And he brought them through that year with food in exchange for the livestock. When that year was over, they came to him the following year, another town hall meeting. We can't hide from our Lord the fact since our money is gone and our livestock belongs to you, there's nothing left for our Lord except our bodies and our land. Why should we perish before your eyes? We and our land as well. Buy us in exchange for, for food, and we and our land will be in bondage to Pharaoh. Give us seeds so we may live and not die, and that the land may not become desolate. So Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh. The Egyptians, one and all, sold their fields because the famine was so severe. The land became Pharaoh's, and Joseph reduced the people to servanthood from one end of Egypt to the other. However, he did not buy the land for the priests because they received their regular allotment from Pharaoh and had enough food from the allotment that Pharaoh gave them. That's why they did not sell their land. It's interesting. The only people that weren't affected were the priests. 
because Joseph cared about the freedom of worship and worshiping God. So, so Joseph said to the people, Now that I have bought you and your land for Pharaoh, here is seed so you can plant the ground. And when the crop comes, give a fifth of it to Pharaoh. The other four-fifths you can keep as food for the fields, as food for yourselves, and for your households and children. So 20% flat tax. That's not bad, right? I mean, anybody would like that? Because we get taxed for everything, right? Anything you buy, you sell, your house, you sell a house, buy a house. Whatever you do, you're getting taxed. So they, what was their response? You saved our lives, they said. May we find favor in the eyes of the Lord. And we will be in bondage to Pharaoh. So Joseph established it as law concerning the land of Egypt. And it's still enforced today that a fifth of the produce belongs to Pharaoh. And it was only the land of the priests that did not become Pharaoh's. Financially, Egypt was doing great. Then the bottom fell out. Kind of like us in the U.S., dot-com. The stock market was going great. The prices are up. California used to have the 10th largest economy in the world. Then the economy tanked. Just like in Egypt, catastrophe strikes our nation. Millions have lost their jobs. Many have lost their homes. We went from years of great to years of trouble. And now many of us need help. But God brought Joseph through it. God walked, Joseph walked with God, and he heard from God, and he used his wealth wisely. Nothing wrong with making money, but what do you do with it? Remember, God gave Joseph the interpretation of the dream. God gave Joseph for the wisdom of the plan. God blessed Joseph. Yet we want God's blessing, but are we seeking him? Like Matthew 6.33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God in his righteousness, then all these things will be added unto you. The things are the stuff you need, but we skip the first part. We go right to the last part. We just want the stuff. But are we seeking God? If you are, fantastic. Continue growing and learning. Get in those GC groups. But if you're not, what's holding you back? In 1 Corinthians 10.13, Paul says, No temptation has overcome you except what's common to man. But God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted... He will also provide a way out so you can endure it. We like that last part of the verse, right? Get you out of the jam you're in, the trouble, the crisis, the crisis, the difficult pain. But how do you think he communicates with us? Can you hear him? Can you hear his spirit? It takes time to get to know that still soft spirit of his. I know most of the time I can't hear him. I'm too wrapped up in how am I going to fix it and too stressed out to hear him. Our problem today is we want God's blessing, but we just want a little bit of God at our own convenience. Just a sprinkle. But God did not design our relationship that way. It's not like a choice for mayonnaise at a grocery store. Like, oh, today I'll take the light one. No, 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 no. God wants to have a relationship with us. So do you spend time with God, reading and praying? Not just that he blesses you or helps you get out of the trouble. Do you pray that God opens our eyes to his glory? So if you're a child of God, you're going to face trials. But God uses those to draw us to him. And the Spirit helps us through him as well. But God also uses others to help us on our journey. This is one of my favorite passages. It's in Luke 5 and 18. It says, A paraplegic was taken to Jesus by four friends. This is my version of that. There are times in life when crap's going to hit the fan, the window rolls up and the heat's on. Life's just going to suck. And those are those times when you need those friends to take you to Jesus. Because God did not design his children to be alone. There will also be times when God uses you to bring someone else to Jesus because they need to, and they need help because it's hard. And those relationships can start in a gospel community group. And for some of you out there, you may not have had a a wonderful experience in a group. 
But just remember, we're all broken, including the leaders. We're just trying to help. We're trying to be used by God. So cut them some slack. But get involved. It's time to start spending some time with God and with others. God's blessing starts there. It's time to join a GC group and get reconnected. And it's an excellent way to show an example to your kids about putting God first. Because our relationship with God takes effort, sacrifice, and commitment. And sometimes we have to give up stuff. So if you're wondering what all this has to do with money, it's everything. You've got to deal with the spiritual core. The core is it has to get fixed. It's our relationship with God. He's got to look at the inside. It's the inside that matters. It's, it's how our attitude is with money. So as we end and we close, I'm going to ask you two questions. So it's kind of like a spiritual barometer. It's how do you get your money? Are you truthful? Are you crooked? Are you right in the gray? Do you remember who gave you the, the ability, the talents to make your money? You may say it's not much, but it's something. You've got to be thankful for what you have. So we were in Mexico a few years back. This is a little hard for me to talk about because it was, it was really emotional. And at the outskirts of town, there was a large dump. And we went with an organization called Children of the Dump to go up there and, and, and check things out. And when you pulled up, you could hardly believe your eyes. It's a full working dump. And then makeshift houses and shanties, people that made from trash. People are living on a dump. And just when you think you've seen it all, I get out and I could barely not just vomit. It was just, the smell was so bad. There's vultures everywhere. And you're just trying to get what's going on in your head and getting it all together. And I look over and I see a bunch of kids playing on a cardboard pile barefoot. It's like they're on a dump. They're barefoot. It blew my mind. And it made me realize how fortunate I am. We need to be reminded each day that every good and perfect gift comes from God. We need to thank Him for His blessings. And if you get your money in a way that doesn't honor God, ask Him for wisdom to find another way. Seek help. The good news is is that God is in the business of forgiveness and second chances. But don't wonder why God's blessing you if you're not getting your money in a way that honors Him. And second... How do you spend your money? I still struggle with this. I still love to have stuff. I'm so greedy. I ask God's Spirit to help me deal with it before I do something really stupid. It's hard to have it. It's hard not to have it. It's so in your face. It's almost everything we're exposed to. But it's being content. We must understand that Joseph didn't try to get rich. He just offered himself up as a vessel to be used by God. He was a servant. And we should all be like that. It's like person who doesn't complain but works hard and gives their life. And that's God's plan. That's God's plan for us. That's what he wants us to see. When, when people look at us, they want, God wants us to see Jesus. There's only one way to get there, to rely on Christ. Because it always gets back to Jesus. So don't miss out on an opportunity for life's transformation. Are you willing to commit yourself in a deeper relationship with him, through his word and through prayer? Then do it. Are you ready to get in the gospel community or get reconnected? We loved our group when it was here. Sign up. Are you ready to deal with and confess those sins that bring you financially down? Are you ready to forgive? Then do it. Commit to Christ. God redeems us and gives us strength. He's already blessed us beyond what we can ever imagine. But this morning I want to invite you to communion, which reminds us of the greatest blessing God's given us, a restored relationship with him. The band's going to come up and lead us in some songs about redemption and hope. 
The elders are in the back, and if we need prayer on something we talked about, or just in prayer in general, they'll be back there. There's offering boxes on the side walls because giving is a response to what God has done for us. And I hope this morning that you will at least check out a GC group. As God designed us to be in one, to be in fellowship. So, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your generous, generous heart you've blessed us with. Father, I know times are tough at times, but Lord, help us to rely on you. Father, we thank you for this group. We ask that you will help them honor you with their funds, their lives. We pray for your blessing on them, and we thank you and praise you for all your blessings you've given us. In your son's name we ask. Amen.